On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk drops an absolute bombshell, announcing his intention to try and return Tesla to being a private company. Plus, Road and Track hits the track with track mode in a P3D. Price increases hit Tesla vehicles across the board and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you for the 158th episode of Ride the Lightning. It is the Tesla unofficial podcast for August 12th, 2018. Daisy the Boxer Puppy, half asleep, still half awake to my left. She'll be asleep by the end of the show, I can guarantee it. Uh, plenty to get to this week. I want to note, I want a uh, quick show note up top. I'm going to be on vacation uh, from Sunday to Saturday this week. Uh, so the show will not, I won't be able to do the podcast for next week. It will come on time, uh, but it won't get done until Saturday night. Usually I do it Friday night. So just wanted to apologize to the Patreon folks, uh, the supporters on Patreon in advance. Those of you at the early, uh, show access level, it's not going to be too early this week. Hope you'll forgive me if it makes you, you know, maybe <laughs> a couple, like well, a week or two ago, it was. It was earlier than usual. It was Thursday night, so hopefully that karmically balances out a little bit. But anyway, just a quick show note there. I wanted to add, uh, you know, I am getting quite antsy to get my car back from Immaculate Reflections and the the detail work being performed there. Uh, it it's kind of it's been extended by uh, the fact that Jeff he had told me he warned me well in advance. This was not a surprise that he was going to be out of town for four days. So that has eaten into the time, and I was hoping I would get it back the day before I left for my vacation so I could at least come home to it in the garage and drive it the day before I left. Didn't quite work out that way, but that's okay. You can't rush, you can't rush good quality work, and I would, I would never want to do that. So I am still without it, but that's okay. Uh, I've been taking this opportunity to, uh, well, for those of you, by the way, I've been trying to update the Instagram. So I've, you know, like I told you guys, when I got the car, I'm doing, I'm putting all the spirit of adventure stuff on my otherwise until, until now unused Instagram, which is the same as my Twitter DMC underscore Ryan. So if you want to see pictures and stuff of, of what I'm up to with my model three, you can take a look there. No, certainly you don't have to, but if it's there, if you want it, um, but yeah, I've been, I've been taking this opportunity while I wait for the car to get done to get some uh, cleaning products, some some car care products. So I ordered at uh, at Jeff from Immaculate Reflections suggestion. I ordered a, a pressure washer hose that uh, that I so I can in my garage I can I can really give the car a good spray down without having to take it anywhere. Uh, and then I'm going to be getting the I think he, he he likes the two bucket method I think with like the grit divider, whatever that thing's called. I don't remember now, but I'm going to just make sure I want to do this right. You know, if I invested all this in this car and I want to keep it looking nice, I want to make sure I do it right. So, so that I got that. It's, um, and if you're curious, cause I know inevitably I'll get asked, I got the, the sun Joe was the one that, that Jeff recommended me S U N J O E sun Joe pressure washer. I actually, I don't know which model and I took it down to the garage already. So I'm not sure which model it was, but uh, so that grabbed that off of Amazon. And then I also grabbed, cause the, the Tesla owner's manuals 
suggest for the ultra white interior specifically, although I think this does apply to the to the any of the interiors now that they're all the synthetic material, uh, they recommend rubbing alcohol. So, you know, the 70% isopropyl. So I went to, I was at Walgreens and I thought, oh, you know what, while I'm here, let me pick up, uh, I had to, had to get a refill of some asthma medication. And then, okay, let me, let me see if Walgreens will probably have this. And they, they had uh, an even more perfect solution than I was even thinking of. They have wipes, 70% isopropyl alcohol wipes in a nice like plastic seal, you know, tube uh, container that seals up. So I can just put this in the car with some like, like a, maybe a microfiber cloth or two to, you know, so you can wipe it, wipe down the seats every now and again, every couple weeks or so with the, with the rubbing alcohol. And then, you know, I don't want to leave that on there. So just wipe it, wipe the, the alcohol off after it's done its job with a, with a little microfiber cloth. So yeah. And then the other thing I got real quick before we get to the Tesla news, I bought uh, a draggy. I, I think that's how it's pronounced. It's D-R-A-G-Y. There's sort of two primary methods for for uh, clocking the performance of your car with relative precision. There's the V-Box, which I had been familiar with, and the Draggy, which I've only learned more about recently. I will talk more about this after I have a chance to use it, but basically it's just a little dongle. It's like the size of a, really like a, basically a pack of gum is about the, I've got it in my hand here. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it uses the connects to your phone with an app and GPS uses the GPS in your phone to track your positioning your the acceleration uh, and I think even the G forces and uh, it measures elevation too so you know if you did it on flat ground or a little uphill or a little downhill so you can you, you have a little more validity to your numbers one way or the other so uh, I am very curious to try this out and yes I will make sure I do so in a very safe place. I do want to go to the drag strip at some point after getting the car back. Uh, and of course, that'll be that'll be another fun adventure in the spirit of adventure to tell you about. But that's what I've been up to while my car is still getting detailed. All right. Let's talk Tesla news. I want to start, obviously, with the gigantic megaton story of the week. You may have heard about this already, but uh, it's certainly... I couldn't do an episode this week without talking about this. Elon Musk dropping an absolute nuclear bombshell uh, of news on Twitter saying that he wants to take the company private again. Stop, you know, no more public company, take it private. So he sent, he announced this on Twitter uh, saying $420 a share is what he would offer to buy people out at or that he encouraged people to stay in. I'm going to cover all that in a second. But he sent an email to all Tesla employees. I want to read that to you in full. Uh, normally, I, I try to minimize the stuff that I read to you and just take the best excerpts. Uh, but th in this case, every word is valuable here. So Elon Musk to his employees saying, earlier today, I announced that I am considering taking Tesla private at a price of $420 a share. I wanted to let you know my rationale for this and why I think this is the best path forward. First, a final decision has not yet been made, but the reason for doing this is all about creating the environment for Tesla to operate best. As a public company, we are subject to wild swings in our stock price that can be a major distraction for everyone working at Tesla all of whom are shareholders. 
Being public also subjects us to the quarterly earnings cycle that puts enormous pressure on Tesla to make decisions that may be right for a given quarter, but not necessarily right for the long term. Finally, as the most shorted stock in the history of the stock market, being public means that there are large numbers of people who have the incentive to attack the company. I fundamentally believe that we are at our best when everyone is focused on executing, when we can remain focused on our long-term mission, and when there are not perverse incentives for people to try to harm what we are all trying to achieve. This is especially true for a company like Tesla that has long-term forward-looking mission. Uh, pardon me, has a long-term forward-looking mission. SpaceX is a perfect example. It is far more operationally efficient, and that is largely due to the fact that it is privately held. This is not to say that it will make sense for Tesla to be private over the long term. In the future, once Tesla enters a phase of slower, more predictable growth, it will likely make sense to return to the public markets. Here's what I envision being private would mean for all shareholders, including all of our employees. First, I would like to structure this so that all shareholders have a choice. Either they can stay investors in a private Tesla, or they can be bought out at $420 per share, which is a 20% premium over the stock price following our Q2 earnings call, which had already increased by 16%. My hope is for all shareholders to remain, but if they prefer to be bought out, then this would enable that to happen at a nice premium. Second, my intention is for all Tesla employees to remain shareholders of the company, just as is the case at SpaceX. If we were to go private, employees would still be able to periodically sell their shares and exercise their options. This would enable you to still share in the growing value of the company that you have all worked so hard to build over time. Third, the intention is not to merge SpaceX and Tesla. They would continue to have separate ownership and governance structures. However, the structure envisioned for Tesla is similar in many ways to the SpaceX structure. External shareholders and employee shareholders have an opportunity to sell or buy approximately every six months. Finally, this has nothing to do with accumulating control for myself. I own about 20% of the company now, and I don't envision that being substantially different after any deal is completed. Basically, I'm trying to accomplish an outcome where Tesla can operate at its best, free from as much distraction and short-term thinking as possible, and where there is as little change for all our investors, including all of our employees, as possible. This proposal to go private would ultimately be finalized through a vote of our shareholders. If the process ends the way I expect it will, a private Tesla would ultimately be an enormous opportunity for all of us. Either way, the future is very bright, and we'll keep fighting to achieve our mission. Thanks, Elon. So that's a lot. That's a lot to digest. He added a couple of other things on Twitter I wanted to pass along to you. He said, Investor support is confirmed. Only reason why this is not certain is that it's contingent on a shareholder vote. Also, I hope all shareholders remain will be way smoother and less disruptive as a private company ends negative propaganda from shorts. And a third one, my hope, and he said this in the, in the letter too, but my hope is all, emphasized, current investors remain with Tesla even if we're private, would create a special purpose fund enabling anyone to stay with Tesla. I, or we already do this with Fidelity's SpaceX investment. And finally, he says, I am super appreciative of Tesla shareholders. I will ensure their prosperity in any scenario. Well, 
This is uh, unexpected. It is it is enormous, and it is, in my opinion, fantastic uh, if he can pull it off. And I have every reason to believe he will, because what do I say on a pretty regular basis? Never doubt Elon Musk. Uh, the, I saw this. This was the headline. I was walking Daisy in the morning the day after this happened, and one of my neighbors had a, a Wall Street Journal in the driveway that they hadn't collected yet for that day. Because I looked down, I just happened to be looking down, and I saw his his uh, name in the headline, and it was the top story, the uh, the main story in the Wall Street Journal that day at the top of the page, and it and Wall Street Journal was saying it would be the largest buyout ever, and so you think, well, well, that kind of seems crazy then, but again, then you look at who's involved, Elon Musk. If anybody can pull it off, it's Elon Musk. Now. If you remember, too, you go back, if, you're, if you've been following Tesla long enough, you know that Tesla was only made public because Elon and the company, they had to. They had no other choice. It was the only way that Tesla had a chance to survive. The IPO happened before the Model S launched. As I Shoot, now I'm doubting myself. If, if it, was either, it was either before, I think it was before. It may have just been just after, but I'm almost positive it was before the S even launched. So, you know, they needed capital. They needed to get that car built. And that was that was the way to do it, was to take the company public. And uh, in fact, yeah, because when they, they ran, Elon rang the opening bell at the NASDAQ the day that they joined, and he showed up in a blue Roadster that had uh, sort of a side 80s style side striping on it, uh, I think that believe it said NASDAQ on it or something, as I recall. It was definitely a blue roadster. So there you go. Um, now, Elon does not shy away from the fact that he's talking about the short sellers, and he doesn't specifically mention them here. He has said so in the past, but uh, the, the Fudsters, as we call them. And the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, it has been, in my opinion, and I, I think that is one probably shared by many of you, it has been like a cancer on Tesla that simply will not go into remission. I mean, Tesla's enemies have, have, they have truly waged a campaign. It is a campaign of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And I'm sad to say, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I think at least to some extent it's worked or is working. Uh, you know, just an anecdotal example. I was talking to my next door neighbor, who's an older gentleman, when I, I bumped into him out in front of our houses, it was this was right before I got the car because uh, it was like, hey, what's going on? I was, oh, I'm getting my, my, picking up my new car. Uh, and so we start talking a little Tesla. And he brings up, he says, oh, are those, those, uh, those bursts into flames? And he mentioned Elon's behavioral troubles uh, on, on Twitter. Now, the second one there, that's okay. That's Elon's own making. And I've said my piece about how I hope he's going to move past that. But, you know, the fire thing, the crazy thing about the fire FUD is that it's not even the most recent bit of FUD. It's it's like in the FUD past, and it's still, that tells you how much of it there's been and how much of it seeps into the general public's perception of the company. There's just so much out there scraping away at the general public's perception of Tesla. So this move to take the company private, if successful, this is the ultimate move to best protect the future of the company, at the very least from a 
reputational standpoint, you know, you're not going to get, you're not, you can't make people who have an axe to grind against Tesla go away. You can't stop them from, from pushing narratives, but you can remove their incentive to do so, at which point they're likely to move on to something else that they uh, do have an actual financial stake in. So, you know, and, and I'm not saying that it's such that the, the, these fudsters and shorts were actually going to successfully bring the company down. I'm not saying that. But the fact is, or at least I'm not the fact, I am of the opinion, as clearly Elon is, I, I you know, I <laughs> can't disagree with him on this one. The most prosperous future for Tesla is going to come without those uh, actors having any financial say or leverage of any kind whatsoever. And, you know, make no mistake, these people, here's the thing, though, they do have billions, with a B, eight comma club, (laughs) bet against Tesla. So my expectation is that they will not go down without a fight. I would expect them to try and stop this in any way possible. We've already seen them try to raise... uh, Things like, oh, this is some sort of, this is an SEC violation just by Elon saying it on Twitter. So, you know, we're already seeing it. And I would expect them to continue to try and stop this in any way possible. And even if Elon and Tesla are successful at taking the company private again, I I still don't expect that they're going to give up trying to smear Tesla because, well, guess what? There'll be a, 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 a lover scorned a bit there. They will, they will have lost uh, a lot of money, and they will certainly not be happy about that. So we'll see what happens there. Now, this also, by the way, puts Elon Musk's recent and repeated claims of saying he won't need to raise any additional capital on the market into proper context, doesn't it? We just heard it on the earnings call. He gets asked about it by analysts and investors all the time, and he, that has been his answer is, nope, we, I have no intention of, of wanting or needing to raise capital in the marketplace in the, in the, you know, via the stock. So uh, this also explains, by the way, I think, in part, the drive, the focus drive for sustained profitability that I talked about so much last week with the earnings call. I mean, sure, Tesla needed to do that anyway, but the timing of it, suggests that this is all part of Elon's master plan. And this, again, is why I have always said, never bet against Elon Musk. He is playing chess while most of his competitors and or naysayers are playing checkers. This is, as I said, this is the ultimate move. I'm personally very excited about the prospect of this. And, I mean, I know it's a bit apples to oranges here, but you notice how SpaceX really doesn't get any of the rabble-rousers angry about them the way that Tesla does. There, there are many reasons for that, yes, but one of them, and I would argue maybe even the primary reason, and, and uh, you, know, you heard that Elon even used SpaceX as a model for what he wants to do with Tesla, is that you know, SpaceX can do whatever the heck it wants as a private company. Imagine a Tesla that doesn't have to answer to anyone but its own customers and its own employees. That would be absolutely fantastic. Though I will admit, I would miss the quarterly earnings calls. Uh, 
Those are some of my favorite podcast episodes to do, and I get to do them four times per year. Uh, they're a lot of fun, but as, as a Patreon producer of this podcast, Alexi Heft suggested on Twitter, and I thought it was this was an excellent suggestion, maybe, uh, maybe Elon and the company would still do some sort of, whether it's quarterly or, or on just some sort of other regular cadence, an update, you know, that, that where, uh, f- fans or customers or, or, uh, stakeholders via the, via the, the private stock or what have you are able to ask questions, uh, in some sort of obviously moderated manner. So we'll see about that, but this is, this is certainly, this is the, I mean, this is the second biggest story of, of the year for Tesla behind only the, the production of model three. I mean that that is the key to the company, but this this is this is an absolute gigantic story, and I will be keeping an extraordinarily close eye on this for you guys uh, with every single new development. All right, let's move on here. Plenty more to get to. Next up is Road and Track, well-respected veteran automobile publication enthusiast automobile publication. They did an extraordinarily and extraordinary thorough piece on the Model 3, the P3D. They took it to the track to see what that car can really do under track conditions. Multiple laps, will it fizzle out? Will it can it hang on the track? You know, it's something that the Model S has struggled with. You know, we've been over that. I mean, that's just it's a limitation of the design of the car, the way the battery management system works. It's battery heat, the the batteries heat up too much and and the car uh, cannot sustain repeated laps at full full bore on a track. So first I want to give you road and tracks measurements. So they say our testing measured a 0 to 60 time of 3.3 seconds. Yes. <laughs> 0 to 100 in 8.6 seconds and a quarter mile of 11.8 seconds at 113.7 miles per hour. That is cool. So now the 3.3 seconds, they revised that from an earlier 3.5. The 3.3 is with a one foot rollout, which is sort of apparently the, the general industry standard. So that's where the, the improvement there comes from. And it also improved the other times as well. So 3.3 seconds to 60 miles an hour uh, with, a, with a real proper official measurement here. Road and Track obviously has all the proper equipment to get a good number there. And they're doing it on a you know flat surface. They're doing doing checking all the boxes the right way, so that is cool. Three point three seconds. Now uh, let's learn next. Thanks to Road and Track, let's learn something new about the still as as yet unreleased track mode via some quotes that they got from members of Tesla's engineering team uh, in that that same piece. So Road and Track saying quote or actually sorry this is a quote from. Michael Neumeyer, who is Tesla's Model 3 manager of chassis control, he said, quote, our track mode doesn't disable features, it adds them. So apparently in track mode, uh, notes Road and Track, the regenerative braking is increased significantly up to uh, 0.3 Gs of deceleration compared with a max of 0.2 Gs in street trim. So just to pause for a second, so that's obvious, that is a 50% difference. That is not insignificant. Uh, Road and Track continues, when you lift in a corner, meaning uh, off the 
accelerator pedal. The regen tosses all the weight forward, loading up the front axle. The rear tires, now regenerating under much less weight, break loose. The stability control looks the other way. Presto, oversteer. At this point, if you were to say, nail the accelerator, the system would overdrive the front axle motor, powering the front tires to pull you neatly out of the corner in a controlled return to the driving line. Uh, Road and Track continues here, noting, after three or four laps at absolute tire-torturing full speed, the car begins to reduce power output. It's a balanced, gradual event. The motors and battery use cooling circuits that are independent but linked. As one component heats up, the system shifts cooling capacity where it's needed. It can even use the battery as a heat sink to shed excess thermal load from the motors. This linked approach to thermal management means that unlike previous Teslas, track driving won't lead to a total performance shutdown when one's com- uh, pardon me, when one component's temperature spikes. Battery and motors heat up at the same rate. When the car starts approaching its thermal limits, it dials back power gradually until the heat output can be managed by the car's cooling capacity. And you can keep lapping through it. The car's power output plateaus. The cooling system reaches a steady state. You're more than welcome to continue in this condition until you've drained the batteries. You'll miss some of the hard punch of acceleration coming out of the corners, but you end up driving it like a momentum car. It's still a ton of fun. And they conclude by saying, well, I'm, the, the excerpt I'm going to read you, the last one here is, what they've created along with the entire Tesla team is the world's first electric sports sedan with bona fide racetrack chops. That's important for electric car technology, for motorsports culture, and for the future of the automotive hobby as a whole. Great stuff by Road and Track. They went on to note as well, they provided a lot of context for their piece, saying they listed a bunch of specific ICE cars that uh, that have that also have you know trouble sustaining laps on the track. So they it was a really fair, really balanced, very thorough piece, which I can't praise enough. I, I highly recommend you seek it out and read it on the Road and Track website. It's just a phenomenal piece. You know, whether or not you own a Model 3 or a Performance Model 3 or, or just it's just as, as Tesla fans, it's interesting to read just to, to sort of see what Tesla's done here and what they've, how they've approached this. And I'll tell you what, this tra- reading that write-up about them zooming it around on the track, it all sounds like an absolute blast. And I'll tell you, kudos to Tesla's team for really going the whole nine yards with this. It, it, it honestly makes me want to take my car to an actual track, as opposed to just the drag strip, to go play with this, but I'm going to be honest with all of you. I think I would just be way too paranoid about breaking something or messing up and and damaging my car. Because uh, guess what? I've never driven on a track before. I'm a complete 100% track novice, but... I mean, I guess it, 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 I could take classes, and I'll tell you, it would be fun to take some classes so that maybe I, I could feel a little shred of confidence in doing that, but um, that would require some free time. What's free time? I don't, <laughs> I don't have a lot of that. Thank goodness for this vacation coming up. It's, uh, it's a nice chunk of free time, but yeah, it's, as you know, I stay busy voluntarily. That's the thing. I have nobody to blame but myself. You know, it's full-time job 
dad, husband, uh, dog walker to Daisy, and Tesla podcast host. I love I love all of those jobs. All of those jobs are I am I am an enthusiastic volunteer and participant in. So anyway, now, it would be cool to go to the track someday, and and maybe I will. But I do I really do think I would need to take some classes first before <laughs> before doing anything else. Okay, uh, let's move on to sadly some not quite as good news. It's been a it's been a, a really uh, groovy ride so far this week on this show between the between the uh, Tesla wanting to go private again and the track mode stuff. But uh, this no- news story not so great. We've got some price increases across the board S X and three as well. The multi coat. Paints that would be the multi coat red and the pearl white have increased from fifteen hundred dollars to two thousand dollars, and all of the other paint color colors that aren't black, so all of the metallic options, they are now going from one thousand dollars to fifteen hundred dollars. The destination dock delivery fee is going from a thousand dollars to twelve hundred dollars, and strangely enough. Dual motor, all-wheel drive, was announced at $5,000, quickly went down to $4,000 before anyone could take delivery, and has now gone back to $5,000. Well, I have to say it's highly unlikely, I can't say for sure, obviously I'm, I don't work for Tesla, but it's, I gotta figure it's highly unlikely that the materials cost on any of this suddenly went up. So... That therefore, I have to believe that this is simply a push towards profitability in Q3 and Q4. I mean, if if you're getting at least $700 more per car, because let's be honest, most customers with a choice of what is it, six, seven colors now, I think it's back to seven now with the obsidian black metallic, most people are going to choose a color that's not the default black. So, Combine that extra seven hundred dollars, pardon me, that extra five hundred dollars or more if they go with the multi coat. But you know, let's say so five hundred there plus the extra two hundred that they're going to get from literally everyone on the destination and delivery fee. So basically, you're you know you're getting roughly seven hundred dollars more per car. So that's going to add up in a hurry, an absolute hurry. If we get if Tesla makes seventy five thousand cars total across S, X, and 3 in this quarter, in Q3, multiply that by $700, you get $52.5 million extra revenue that uh, helps push towards profitability in Q3. Now, I'm just speculating here, so I I don't want this to be mistaken for any kind of fact because I don't know. But if that is the reason... I, I, I have to say, it's a bit unfortunate that this is being taken straight out of customers' wallets. I mean, you know, because we've seen Tesla in the past lower the price on things. We've seen them pass the savings along to consumers. I mean, it's, you know, the thing is, I, like, t- look at me. I just took delivery two weeks ago, even though I did order three months ago. But my exact car today, if I'd ordered it today would be 1200 bucks more. That's a lot. I mean, normally I would say, like I said, you'd think, okay, well, there's no way the price is ever going to go back down. But as I said, with Tesla, you never quite know. They have 
done it before. You know, the, the, I mentioned just most recently the dual motor example. 5,000 at an ounce, quickly revised to four. Now back to five. We'll see if that goes back down to four at some point or the paints, paint options revise. I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, certainly a, a disappointing turn of events there. I mean, we all want to see Tesla become profitable. I think it's fair we all want that as people that are rooting for Tesla and 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 on board with their mission. But uh, it's it's a shame that they are going straight to the consumer's wallets to get this. All right, well, let's move on back. That's the bad news. Let's move on to something a little happier, a little more fun. In fact, uh, yeah, the rest of the stories are all fun from here on out. Got like four more stories for you. Autopilot 3, that was a big focus of discussion last week on the earnings call. So the AP3 hardware will be introduced, according to Elon Musk, in, quote, probably four to six months. And he says, those who order full self-driving get the upgrade at no cost. It isn't needed just for enhanced autopilot. So that's interesting. He went on to add, by the way, that the first features requiring that new hardware are expected to become available in that same time frame, four to six months. Now, naturally, I am extremely curious to find out what those first full self-driving features will be that are going to require this additional computational power. I mean, you've got to figure that once that software drops, there's going to be a rush of those prepaid full self-driving folks heading to the service centers to get those new uh, CPU boards, those new APUs installed. Uh, And also one other thing too, by the way, I would probably safely take the high end on that four to six month estimate that Elon gave. And not just because of Elon time, but here's the other thing. Remember, just last week on the earnings call, Elon said that this was coming next year. Four months would still be this year. So uh, take the high side of that estimate, I think, is is probably the, the safe bet. So uh, that's another story we'll be keeping very, very close eye on to see what's what's coming down the pipe with uh, with the autopilot three chipset that and it's it's a uh, you know order of magnitude greater computational power. Speaking of autopilot, you want to try it out? If you didn't order it, well, now you can. The software update that's that's heading out to the fleet now offers a free 14-day trial of Enhanced Autopilot, if you obviously have not already purchased it. You may also get an email about this as well, so I may be telling you what you already know. Now, Tesla hasn't done the, tr- the free trial since the Autopilot 1 days. So this tells me that Tesla is clearly confident enough now in the current version of Autopilot to encourage people to try it out with the with the intention, obviously, of getting them to shell out $6,000 to turn it on permanently. Because, of course, as you know, it's $5,000 when you order. Enhanced Autopilot is $6,000 if you activate it after delivery. And as I was telling you, by the way, on my special bonus delivery episode, I got to say my experience with autopilot so far, and to, you know, to be fair, it's not a ton, but my experience with it so far is extraordinarily positive. 
it really, really performed wonderfully. And here's, here's one other thing, too. A free 14-day trial is yet another potential extra revenue stream for Tesla during this pivotal Q3 as they try to attain profitability. You know, we, just, we just talked about the increased prices on uh, paint and, and dual motor on Model 3 and on uh, the destination and delivery fees. So this is yet, you know, if they can, if they get realistically, I guess, I don't know, I don't know what an actual realistic number is, but I would have to think that of the people that would, that would take the trial, so it's the people that didn't order enhanced autopilot, you know, if you get 5% of them to convert, and that's, let's say there's, 10 to 20, uh, let's just call it 20,000 Model 3s out there that, that are getting this trial, that don't have enhanced autopilot. Yeah, if you get 5% of them, that's not too bad. You know, that's, uh, what is that? That's, that's uh, about 1,000 people or so. So not bad at all. I mean, that times $6,000 is, is uh, you know, a nice little chunk of change there in this quarter. So we'll see what happens. Give it, you know, give it a try. Uh, by the way, people have asked, and I don't have a definitive answer on this, but it does appear that you have to take the trial immediately once it's prompted to you in the car. It doesn't seem like you can defer it until later when you have a, a planned road trip coming up. Um, not Again, not 100% on that, but it does appear that you need to take that free trial immediately upon, uh, upon receipt. And uh, a couple more stories this week. As my friend Trevor Page from Model 3 Owners Club noted, Tesla just had an FCC ID assigned for a key fob application. So there aren't any details of what it is on the FCC page, but with the filing being from this week, I have to agree with Trevor's assessment that this may, may very well be the Model 3 key fob that Elon suggested might be coming uh, back. He suggested that to Consumer Reports after they had reported their difficulties with the phone as, as a key fob. So uh, we'll see. I, you know, I'm not quite sure what the turnaround time might be on this, just based on an FCC ID. I don't know if it takes, you know, if that's like the last step in the process, and then the the key fob could be out in two weeks or a month, or if that's really early on in the process, and we might not see it till next year or something. Not quite sure there, but um, I I would say, I mean, I'd have to imagine that if this FCC ID has been granted. I'd figure it's probably getting close. I mean, that, I, that would be my gut instinct on that. So anyway, make a mental note of this if we happen to get news on a Model 3 key fob sometime in the next couple of months. Finally this week, as uh, Daisy the Boxer sighs in at the end of another fun puppy day. Huh? We had fun at the park dog park today, didn't we, pups? Yes. Tesla <laughs> may be planning a... To, sort of a, a toy radio flyer, but for adults. So Elon was asked, when will there be a radio flyer Model X? Now, the, the there is a radio flyer Model S. It's the Model S for kids. Fits kids up to, I believe, eight years old. Uh, and it's, you know, looks like it looks exactly like a Model S. It's even, it's got some pretty cool details, I got to say. So, you know, what about a, a Model X version? And Elon responds, this is like classic awesome Elon where he either responds with way more information than you were even asking for and it's great, 
or he just sort of takes it and runs with it in a in a direction that you weren't expecting. So here Elon says, uh, he says, we're working on a new Tesla mini car that can squeeze in an adult. <laughs> so I guess it's basically a a giant version of that kid's radio flyer car. I mean, I'll tell you, I would be 100% down for that. That sounds fun. And that fits right in, in my opinion. The first thing I thought of were some of the other sort of kid-like fun ideas that Elon puts out there from time to time. Like, remember his stated intention to put a roller coaster inside the Tesla factory in order to zoom employees from one side of it to another very quickly? This this reminded me of that. Also, side note, I would love to be a fly on the wall when Elon pitches this stuff to Franz von Holzhausen and the design team down in Hawthorne. Like, are they even phased by this stuff anymore, by like, by the more off-the-wall ideas that Elon has. I presume they they just find it fun because, you know what? Hey, it's an unexpected challenge. Like, design a kid's... Design a little, you know, radio flyer-type electric toy car that we can cram an adult into. Like, that's got to be a fun little challenge. All right, so that is the Tesla news for the week. I've got a fully loaded ride the lightning hotline queued up and ready for you just going to take a quick breather be right back right after this time for the ride the lightning hotline i encourage you to participate in it uh, it is an awesome part of the show where i get to hear all of your voices all of your thoughts ideas questions comments discussion topics there are two easy ways to participate in this. Either way, I uh, kindly ask that you keep your question, keep your call to uh, a minute, minute and a half. That would be really helpful. So you can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder, record something on there, and just email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline anytime, day or night, it's a toll-free number. You just ring it up. It's 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. If you'd like to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Let's go to Alex in Champaign, Illinois who uh, has some questions He's, uh, about the potential privatization of Tesla. Hot topic for the week. Alex, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is uh, Alex from Champaign, Illinois. Um, I'm a younger guy, uh, but I have a few thousand dollars uh, in Tesla shares that I've just been kind of accumulating over the past uh, two years or so that I just wanted to hold on to for as long as I could. But I just saw the going from public to private announcement on Twitter kind of unfold. Um, and I was just curious, I own my shares through in a free trading app on your phone. And I don't know how accessing those will work should I choose not to be bought out. Because I do want to hold on to my shares if I am able to. But I don't know how that would work. And then also on the post on the Tesla website they made about it, 
they mentioned towards the end that uh, shareholders and employees would have an opportunity every six months to buy or sell shares. And I have no idea what that <laughs> means or how that would work. So I was just wondering if you or anyone uh, who listens has a better understanding of this than I do, because I'm not really uh, an investor. I'm just a Tesla fan. All right. But up. Uh, have a great one. Alex, as you and the audience know, I am not shy about saying when I don't know something, but this is such a big topic that I feel like I would kick off the hotline with this because this is this is a time where I need to go to the audience. This this question requires a professional answer, and I simply do not have any expertise when it comes to matters of stocks and stock trading. So if anyone in my audience is in that field and can help clarify this for Alex and for me and for all of us, I'd certainly sincerely appreciate it if you might be kind enough to call in or maybe even just email me. I could always uh, read it on the air too. But thank you in advance to any kind soul out there because this, I'd say, it's a good chance for me to learn something, which I always appreciate when I get that opportunity. So, Alex, let's hang tight. We'll see. Uh, I have, I'm confident that the audience will come through for the both of us because they always do. Let's go next to Tommy in Tampa, who also had a comment on the potential privatization of Tesla. Tommy, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Tommy from Tampa, Florida. Longtime listener, first time caller. Love the show. Uh, I wanted to discuss, uh, obviously, the big news, Tesla potentially going private. Uh, I've been listening to uh, Galley on Hyperchange a lot, and uh, I agree with his sentiment that I don't think Elon and Tesla would allow one entity to come in and have a majority shareholder in Tesla and take away Elon and the rest of the uh, board's power to make decisions. So I do think it's gonna be a joint venture with a couple big companies. And uh, Galley made a point that uh, I thought was really interesting. You know, the big players who have the capital to do this, uh, such as Google and Waymo, I think would be an incredible joint venture with these two companies. Obviously, Google being the tech giant that they are, uh, with the cell phones that they already have, obviously Android, Google Maps, if they were to combine forces in Tesla, and then obviously Waymo being the other big player in autonomy, imagine if they had all the data that Tesla has from all the vehicles on the road today. I mean, you talk about accelerating the world to sustainable sustainability. I mean, if you can seriously uh, shorten your timeline with this joint venture with these two giants. I mean, Elon said from the beginning that he wanted uh, open books and open communication between other car companies to get EVs on the road and, and make the market much bigger. And obviously, car companies aren't doing that. So maybe it is going to be a joint venture with another tech company who is on the same side as Elon and who sees the mission and believes in it uh, to really get the movement going. Uh, I just think that it would be an incredible venture with these three companies in a, in a perfect world. But I just want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, again, love the show. Love to hear back from you. Thanks. Tommy, I am right on board with you. A person going by the username of Juggle on the Tesla Motors Reddit started a thread pointing out a 2015 article on Vox that quoted Google co-founder Larry Page saying, you know, if I were to get hit by a bus today, I should leave all of it to Elon Musk, end quote. You know, Google, Google's a data company as well, obviously. And, and as you pointed out, Tesla has a ton of data. It could, that could make a lot of sense. I mean, I'll say one other one though. Call me crazy, but why not try to get Apple 
in on it as well. Why, there's, I would think there should be a mutual interest there. I mean, Apple's electric car project seemingly hasn't gone anywhere. So every day, they fall farther and farther behind Tesla. And guess what? As you probably may have heard, Apple has a ridiculous amount of money. They became the world's first $1 trillion valuation uh, a week or two ago, including just billions in the bank in cash reserves. So investing in a private Tesla could be a great way for Apple to not only help push for a more sustainably powered future, but while all they could also be simultaneously a really smart business deal for them. Just my two cents there. We'll see what happens. Be keeping everybody was going to be keeping their eyes glued to this. Next up, we've got Peter in Spokane, Washington, has an update on the standard battery for Model Three. Peter, go ahead. Hey Ryan, this is Peter Sowards from Spokane, Washington. Uh, I put my $1,000 deposit down last December for the Model 3, uh, and I'm one of the holdouts for the standard battery. Uh, as such, I've been checking the configuration page incessantly to see if there have been any changes to the, quote, available in six to nine months, unquote, language that's been on there for months relative to the standard battery. Well, the day has arrived. When I check my configuration page now, it says standard battery available in five to eight months. Uh, I think this is really important. Uh, I've seen on Facebook groups and Tesla Motors Club and other forums people showing concern that the $35,000 model will never be built because of its seeming unprofitability. Now, this is not proof positive that it will, uh, but it's at least a step in the right direction. Uh, so for those listeners like me who are waiting for the standard battery, this was a sight for sore eyes after seeing the six to nine month estimate for so long. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Peter, thank you for pointing that out. It's it's of note, too, that this is still like kind of sort of a delay. I mean, because for a while, it's not a delay from super recently, but remember for a while, Tesla had the standard battery listed as late 2018 on the delivery estimates of the earliest reservation holders. I had that, that's what it said on mine. So if indeed Tesla is now officially guiding 2019 for all standard battery cars, that does mean that the best that you and other folks looking for the standard battery are going to get on the federal tax credit side is the $3,750, the half credit. I mean, I mean, I, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised here because... And again, Elon has been very adamant about Tesla being profitable in Q3 and Q4, and the standard battery cars are just not going to go as far to help them do that, uh, even by producing just a you know smallish number at the end of Q4. Those are still those are cars that they could be they could be making 3Ds or P3Ds or or just real real drive you know cars that that are going to bring in more money in, in that uh, huge Q4 profitability push, but. Uh, still though, I, I have to say here, I am, I'm genuinely heartbroken for those standard battery customers, particularly, particularly those of you who've had their, had your reservation since the beginning, since March 20, 31st, 2016. I, it's, you know, it's been such a long wait. Uh, you folks are going to be three years, you know, ish give or take a, a couple months. I mean, it's, that's a long, long wait. I mean, we've all waited a long time, but the standard battery folks are, are, uh, are waiting the longest. I, I'd like to see Tesla 
give anybody who orders a standard battery Model 3 that, ha- that has also had a reservation since the beginning, let's say just April 2016, the, the first month, it'd be nice if there was some sort of gesture of, of appreciation, even I'd even call it a, a gesture of apology on the t- with the tax credit thing. You know, whether it's free uh, premium connectivity for life or the free unlimited lifetime supercharging, you know, neither of those things would cost Tesla that much in the grand scheme of things. And I don't know. Regardless, uh, Peter, thank you for that update. Glad to see that Tesla is still officially guiding towards that same mo- towards that same most recent time frame rather than have it perpetually be six to nine months and never get any closer than that. Next, we've got Mark in Simi Valley, California, who has a question on Model 3 software versions. Mark, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Mark from Simi Valley, California. Just calling in with a question slash comment on the Model 3 software versions. Uh, I recently took ownership of a rear-wheel drive multi-coat white Model 3 that is absolutely fantastic. I picked it up on Saturday, July 21st, and the, the car is amazing. Just it's absolute dream. And I, I so look forward to hearing your, your comments and experiences on your performance Model 3 that you're getting this week. But my question is regarding the software updates. Now, when I first took delivery of the car, I was so excited I didn't even pay attention to what version was on it. But later in the evening, I got a pop-up that were, there, were, there was an update. So I let it install that night. When I checked on it the next morning, it was only version 2018.20.9. Now, it's my understanding that the current version is 26.1, which adds quite a quite a bit as far as you know um, bug fixes and some and some other enhancements like the cabin over heat protection which I would really like to have being in Southern California in, in the middle of the summer um, but I, I just don't understand why it's taking them so long to push out these updates I understand they want to uh, roll it out in in batches and want to get the most stable version uh, for for the majority of the fleet and and whatnot but you know, there's still this version I have now. It's it's quite quite buggy, and it would just be nice to find out what their what their process is and and why there's such a delay in getting that. So, any comments you have uh, would be greatly appreciated. And I love your podcast. Look forward to it each week. And thank you for all you do. Bye bye. Well, I hate to do two in one show, but Mark, this is another one of those times where I have to say I don't know, but I will. I'll try to find out one way or another. I mean, you figure you, you should have updated by now. I mean, I will say you're not the only one. I've I've heard of this from other people as well. For instance, I was uh, I was exchanging notes with Michael from Milbray after I took delivery of my car. You know, I I told you I took delivery with twenty four point eight, I think, and now I uh, then I updated the, that night to twenty six point three, and he had mentioned to me that I leapfrogged him during that, uh, so that I, that I'm, <laughs> I'm ahead of him now. And he, he still isn't on 26, three. So, uh, what I'd love to do for this one is if there are any Tesla employees, people that, that are actually on this stuff who might be willing to shed some light on this for me, like e- even anonymously, just how this works to help us all understand the how and why of it. Feel free to reach out to me. I will, of course, I am a journalist by trade. Your anonymity will be protected. I, again, it's just in the interests of, of educating all of us here. 
Hopefully we can uh, suss out an answer to this, Mark. But then again, I am, I'm, at the very least, Mark, I'm glad to hear that you are loving your car. Speaking of Michael from Milbray, hey, he's on the, he's on the line. He's, uh, he wanted to talk about a little something on the earnings call that Elon mentioned that maybe might have flown under the radar a little bit. Michael, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, I wanted to bring up something from the shareholder call last week that I thought kind of went under the radar, but could be a big deal. Um, during the autopilot update, uh, they talked about new active safety features coming, and I was wondering what you thought that might entail. Um, I've been thinking about how the new autopilot is going to be able to change lanes automatically um, and determine when it's safe to change lanes. And that got me thinking that uh, if someone is changing lanes into you, uh, that your car might know that the opposite lane is available and automatically change lanes to avoid an accident. Um, just like we have automatic emergency braking, maybe this would be automatic emergency lane changes. Um, but I'm curious what you think, if maybe you have some other ideas of what they might be planning. Um, either way, it looks like we've got some really exciting uh, news coming up shortly. I can't wait to see what happens. Nice catch, Michael. And uh, you make an interesting suggestion. I'd certainly love to see that. And uh, in your email, you mentioned avoiding rear-ending, or at least helping to avoid it, with the automatic emergency braking that's already in there now. Now, seeing as rear-end accidents are among, if not the most common type of accident, particularly on freeways, what about the opposite form of rear-end accident avoidance? What about automatic emergency acceleration. I don't know if that's a real thing, but if it's not, I'd, I'd genuinely like to suggest that it could be, it sh maybe should be. I mean, every, here's the thing. Every single Tesla, no matter the trim, has instant throttle response at basically any speed. So if the car behind you were to get too close, like say if it gets within a foot and the car senses that, why not? I'd love to see the car just do a quick little lunge forward if if the forward sensors deem it safe to do so. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if this is going to sound feasible to to anyone else listening to this, uh, let alone regulators. <laughs> I have no idea. But maybe you know, maybe I'm missing some completely obvious safety implication. But it sounds good in my head. Uh, regardless, I like your idea, Michael, and it's going to be very interesting to see exactly what those features are. Let's keep it rolling here with Greg. He uh, has a thought on, he heard the name I gave my car, the Spirit of Adventure, and he wanted to share his. Greg, go ahead. Hey Ryan, this is Greg from Oswego. Hey, I enjoyed your uh, episode on your delivery experience and uh, especially the part where you uh, got into the personal name of your car and uh, you enjoying the movie up and obviously giving your your car name the spirit the spirit of adventure i had the same type of thing with my car um it, it was definitely a the most expensive car i ever bought and i'm kind of a midlife 51 year old uh, tech enthusiast like yourself and uh so because i'm at midlife i actually named mine midlife crisis so, and also, um, you may be aware already, but, um, since you bought the, uh, performance model three and you bought it before August 1st, uh, you are going to get free supercharging, uh, for life, just like model S and model X owners. So another, uh, free win for you. 
So anyway, thanks for all you do with the podcast. Uh, It's very informative every week and appreciate everything you do. Take care. Greg, I have to say, I love that name. That is fantastic. Uh, In fact, I think you've, you've generated a good idea here. Let's have a little fun, maybe a fun segment for next week's show, kind of like the personalized license plate segment that I did a few weeks back. If you're interested, email or tweet me your Tesla's name, if, if you'd like to share it, or if you're still waiting for delivery, but you know what you want to name your car, that's okay. Hey, share that, send it in too. I'll read a bunch of them next week, and we'll see uh, some of the fun names that people are giving or going to be giving their Teslas. Our next caller is Ray in Seattle, uh, has a very good question about when you take delivery of your Tesla. So Ray, go ahead. Hey Ryan, Ray here from Seattle, Washington. First time caller, long time listener. Um, Congrats on uh, taking delivery of your P3D. That's awesome, so psyched for you. Um, And thanks for uh, kind of taking us on this journey. Um, and giving us your first impressions. That's awesome. Looking forward to hearing more about the car. Um, One question I had was, as you took delivery, uh, was there a checklist that you had either in your head or that you'd, you know, like put together in terms of checking the car over? Uh, Were you looking at like, you know, paint, panel gaps and things like that? And what are your options at delivery if in fact, you found something that was like really out of whack. Um, do you like deny delivery? And then like, how long does it take uh, turnaround time in terms of them fixing any issues that might come up? And then secondly, uh, I had a question on insurance. Was there any additional coverage that you Uh, added onto your insurance in terms of covering the glass or making sure you have uh, extra rental car coverage Um, as you know I keep hearing that you know hopefully it will will change and improve uh, but keep hearing you know when in fact if unfortunately you do get into a fender bender or any damage to your vehicle um, comes about that it may take a little bit longer to, um, you know, for Tesla to, f- to fix it. And so uh, I guess having additional uh, rental car coverage would probably be uh, important in that in, in this case. But, you know, I just wanted to get your input or any ideas you might have on, on that and what you did maybe for your insurance. Uh, that'd be super helpful. Helpful. Anyway, thanks for all you do for the Tesla community. Keep doing what you do in the podcast. Love it. Um, Take care. Talk to you soon. Excellent questions here, Ray, and I'm happy to share my experience. So uh, I did have a checklist. I did go over and review a checklist in the days before delivery. There are a number of them out there. People have uploaded them to the forums. There's lots of great options. I used teslachecklists.com. That's plural. Teslachecklists. Take a look at it if you're curious. Whoever made that did a really, really nice job of putting it together. Uh, You can have it handy on your phone during delivery. You can, I think, even take notes on there that it'll save in your browser. But yeah, I mean, I was looking for major panel gaps. Didn't find any, by the way. Uh, But mostly just looking for paint issues. I had a couple of minor things, as I mentioned, which which they addressed immediately on site. And uh, what they did, they took the car around back to the shop, and then they brought it back a short time later. So you could 
you could refuse delivery if there's something that's really bad. And, and people have, by the way. I suppose if that happens, your, your options from there vary on a both a personal basis and a case-by-case basis. Now, uh, as for insurance, uh, I didn't do anything different uh, with my insurance. I, I, uh, I kind of talked it over with my wife, and, and it didn't end up being worth moving insurance companies and losing you know a, a chunk of our umbrella like our umbrella package discount so anyway um remember though yeah the, the caller from a couple shows back did suggest additional car rental coverage based on his unfortunate experience with trying to get his model s repaired so i maybe i may want to think more about that that particular thing with the rental car coverage but uh, all the best to you ray thank you so much for calling in we've got three more calls for uh, for the rest of this here, let's start now with Scott in Virginia, who uh, has a question about battery swapping. Scott, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. This is Scott from Ashburn, Virginia. Um, love the podcast. Had a question for you. Uh, had a colleague that was uh, on the list for quite a while on a standard battery, decided to um, go ahead and upgrade to the, uh, the, the larger battery and uh, actually is going to get delivery this week. Um, I, that sort of triggered a, a thought um, regarding the um, battery swap um, uh, idea that Tesla had. I know they tried it in, in 2015 and, and sort of put it on the shelf for a little while. wasn't sure if you'd heard anything about um, whether they're going to uh, go forward with that and sort of the time frame. Um, the thought I had was just um, the ability, obviously, through software for someone uh, with a standard battery, once those start being delivered, to um, basically upgrade, have the ability to upgrade at a at a swap station. Um, anyway, that's some, some sort of a out there convenience thing. Um, but love the podcast, um, and and definitely uh, got a recommendation for you. I know you said you uh, hadn't uh, read uh, Ashley Vance's book on um, Elon Musk. It's actually uh, pretty endearing uh, to Elon. It addresses some of the uh, controversies head on and does does a good job of sort of uh, historical research on Elon. So just a, a book recommendation for you. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Thank you for the call and for the recommendation, Scott. I've, I've got that trip coming up this weekend, so perhaps I'll take you up on that. Uh, anyway, as to the battery swapping, I don't think it's ever coming back. I got to be honest. Um, you know, supercharging stations are seemingly a lot easier to roll out and probably, I would think, a lot cheaper to roll out for Tesla as well. Plus, don't forget supercharging V3 has been talked about a lot. That's coming. So the supercharging infrastructure, the the speed of charge or the rate of charge will get better. Uh, so that seems to be where Tesla is focusing and, and just putting all their resources from the from the you know interstate travel department. But I will say to your point, I had thought it might make sense for the Tesla Semi to have battery swap stations, but then Tesla went and blew away all my wildest expectations and built a 500 mile range truck. But you know, hey, as we've learned with Elon and Tesla, you never know. All right, our penultimate call this week comes to us from Andrew in Arizona, has a, a service center story to share here that should theoretically affect all of us whenever we need to take our cars in for service. Andrew, what did you learn? 
Hi, Ryan. This is Andrew from Arizona, longtime listener and Patreon supporter. Wanted to just share my experience today. I dropped off my S90D at the service center in Tempe for some routine maintenance, and I was given a performance Model S as a loaner. Unfortunately, the Model S was locked into chill mode. I asked the service center to remove that, and they said they could not, and that all Tesla Model S and X service loaners are now in chill mode as a matter of policy. They cannot be removed. thought this was interesting. certainly makes it for a less enjoyable experience during service and also doesn't really match up with Elon's past comments about making every service loaner a performance car to give people the best possible experience and potentially also to upsell them. Anyway, curious to know your thoughts on this. Thank you. Bye. I agree with you completely, Andrew. This totally flies in the face of what Elon said, as you noted, about using those cars to upsell people. Uh, I will try to ask Tesla PR about this. Uh, I should have done it already, but I got ended up slipping through the cracks on me. I apologize. When I get back from my trip and see if they can will say, either say anything different or confirm what your service center told you. I mean, from a cost perspective for Tesla, what's the point of having P100D loaners if they're not really going to do any good, if they're not going to upsell anyone? I mean, hey, I totally get it from a liability perspective. I mean, I'm no lawyer, but, you know, hey, <laughs> with the, the monstrous power of ludicrous mode on chill mode, it's probably a little bit of a safer bet for, for your customers who, who may not own those cars and thus may not be used to them. But if that's the case, why not just have 75D loaners that, cost the, that are half the price for the company? I don't know. That seems strange. All right. Last call this week is, uh, unfortunately, an anonymous caller. A person did not identify themselves, but nevertheless... Uh, curious about a, a delivery change, about an, a change to their order and how it could affect things. So, uh, anonymous caller, you are on the air. Hi, Ryan. I will be taking delivery of my Model 3 in the next uh, two months or so. And I configured my dual-motor non-performance Model 3 before white seats were an option. Do you think if I go back in and change it to white seats, that would affect my delivery window? Well, it probably will, but I honestly don't think it'll affect it by a lot. I mean, you'll still be well in the clear for eligibility on the full federal tax credit. You know, you'd be taking delivery no problem in calendar 2018. And remember that here's the thing. You can wait for your car an extra month or so, potentially, or potentially regret not getting the white interior for however many years that you end up owning the car. So either way, as long as you've thought it through, you'll be fine. Just uh, just keep that in mind and uh, hope your delivery day comes soon either way. Thanks to everybody who called in on the Ride the Lightning hotline this week. Again, I strongly encourage you. I would love to hear from folks. You can give me a call anytime, either via your smartphone and recording a question on there and emailing that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can call in and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline. That number is 1-888-989-8752. Be right back with some parting thoughts for you right after this.
All right, let's do the plugs here. AbstractOcean.com has got your Model 3 accessories. Also plenty of stuff for SNX as well. Lighting kits being among their most popular items. They've got plenty of other interesting little cosmetic bits as well, and even some stuff for you like Tesla lanyards. So check out abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 20% off of your first order. You put that in at checkout, and that's all one word, RTLPODCAST. Uh, Immaculate Reflections, of course, they are busy with my car right now. Uh, but you can jump in there as well if you're in the Bay Area, taking delivery in the Bay Area. You can uh, send it on over Jeff's way, and he can do whatever it is works for you, whether you want to do just a full, like, clay bar, detailed cleaning, whether you want to do, you know, paint protection film on the, the front end of the car, whole car, ceramic coating, whatever it is that is going to work best for you, he can work with you on that. So check him out at irdetailing.com or uh, at immaculate underscore reflections on either Yelp or Instagram. And like I said, I'll give you my honest assessment uh, next week, in fact. Uh, wait, no, I won't have the car I'll be recording. So two weeks, I'll be able to tell you my honest assessment uh, of Jeff's work. But again, to be completely transparent, he is, I'm, I am paying for this, but he is giving me a discount. So there is, you know, t if you want to take my, take this plug with a grain of salt, feel free. But um, like I said, it's, I've, I've spoken to Jeff a number of times and I really like the, just, I get a good vibe from him and he seems to be a stand up honest guy. I'm happy to, I'm happy that he has my car. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to trust him with this brand new, most expensive thing I've ever bought ever. So anyway, there's that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Email me anytime at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Some really cool show news, by the way. I want to send a very special thank you to Martin from EV News Daily. If, you're, if you ever want to check out that podcast. Martin, he sent me the best tip. So... A lot of I get from time to time people are like, oh, I, could you put your podcast on iTunes? You know, not even if it's just a just a still like a logo up there. I don't even necessarily need to see you. Nobody wants to see me, believe me. Uh, but I, I I like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, and like I'd started to, I'd put the first couple up, and it was an it was an easy process, just a kind of a a time consuming one to encode it and do the whole. Anyway, uh, Martin showed me a way. That apparently my my podcast host provider Libsyn has this all built in, and it, it like almost couldn't be easier. It's super easy to syndicate and publish to YouTube. So thanks to Martin's instructions and his just kind suggestion in the first place, and his his help, every single episode of this podcast is now on YouTube. So um, you know if you want, there's there's like I said, there's no video there, but you can search for stuff if you want to. You know you easily find it. Uh, it's all there. Everything is all there. So uh, thank you, Martin. I really, truly, sincerely appreciate that because you know, hey, YouTube's a huge search engine. So it's having all my shows up there is uh, will make make it easier to, for people to to find. So that's really awesome. Thank you again, Martin. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, oh, I guess the of course most of you probably already subscribe, uh, which is you know you do that through iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn or Spotify as well, and then there's the, the hosting site where you can grab the RSS feed or individual shows. That's at teslapodcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. 
Uh, my referral code, by the way. I, yeah, I have one now. And it's good, again, you, you can use this code if you're ordering any new S, any new X, or any Performance Model 3, I guess it'd be just not any, a Performance Model 3, you can use my referral code and get free unlimited lifetime supercharging. So my code is Ryan73014. So either give that to a sales advisor or if you're ordering online, type this into your browser and it'll take you to a web page where you can then configure your car with that code baked in. So it's type in ts.la slash Ryan73014. And on the Patreon side, again, you know, hey, if you if you get a lot out of the show each week, you find it informative, it's of value to you, it's of use to you, and you choose to support it uh, on Patreon, I would sincerely thank you for it and, and even just for considering that. All the information, if you do want to take a look at that, is on my Patreon page. Find that at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Podcast. And I want to say an extra thank you to the newest Patreon producers, the Patreon producer tier. We've got Jeremy Harris joining the group there now and Scott Gillis as well. So thanks so much to you both. And I want to thank, of course, the rest of that group as well. Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., David Kittle, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Luke Miles, Stefan Joris, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Ketafuki, Brian Hope, Rick Sinta, and Bill Royko. Thank you all so, so much for your continued support. And to close the show this week, a special message from Cruz in Arizona. Cruz is the son of Anthony, a listener of mine. So Cruz, the floor is yours. Take us home. Hey, Ryan. This is Cruz, and I figured out how to make the Amazon Echo play your podcast. What you have to do is say, Alexa, Play Ride the Lightning Unofficial Podcast Tesla Motors.